you had questions about blockchain? You've been confused about what blockchain actually means, how it could potentially change the way we enter into financial transactions, and just overall confused at its potential impact? Well, I have answers for you. I'm gonna be talking with a certified blockchain expert. And finally, you're going to understand the power of blockchain. Everyone, Adam Bergman here. Welcome to another episode of Adam Talks. Tax attorney, founder of Ira Financial, and really excited to have Ken Gendrich, who is, as I mentioned, a certified blockchain expert, also founder of Token Foundry. Known Ken a couple of years, brilliant guy. Uh, he's a crypto enthusiast, software engineer, and uh, he's going to talk to us about blockchain and finally teach us why it is so interesting. What's up, Ken? <laughs> wow, Adam, that's a pretty big introduction. Um, I hope I can hold up my end of the bargain. Let's do it. So, so um, let's let's start. Ahead. Start with the basics. Well, you know, blockchain is. Um, you know, become this like huge topic, and uh, there, it's so broad in the areas that it can can apply. But it also has been historically very technical, right? So I want to pull it apart a little bit and make it a little bit less technical and a little bit more uh, value based, right? So if you if you think about the internet, um, if you were around it when the internet started in 1996, it was like this big promise that everything was going to be interconnected and everybody's going to be able to talk to each other. Um, but but it turned out more of that that it was more of a like a, a roadway right like the roads the infrastructure and then on top of that you had things like sites that had content you learned about businesses that way they built Amazon and all those e-commerce sites the ability to buy and sell stuff but it really didn't achieve kind of this business to business um, opportunity and business to consumer opportunity it was all just portals into single businesses. And what, what blockchain offers is like a layer of business rules on top of that, that businesses can use to create these um, communications and, and ability for consumers to work, work with businesses directly and also from businesses to businesses. So the, it's, it's kind of like the, the trucks and the cars that go on the road, right? That was never really built. So the, we didn't really have the tools to do that. With blockchain technology, it really, it, it really is going to enable that. And um, I want to get into how a little bit, a few seconds, is that if if the whole business community is a transaction, right? Blockchain is about transactions between different organizations. So that was really not built on top of the internet before. But now with blockchain, you can send um, information from one system to the other very securely. And you can decide how much is going to be private and how much is going to be shared. So it's just really, you know, it's not new, new technology, but it's being used in a new way that facilitates all this, this opportunity. So that, that's kind of the, the big picture. Um, any questions? Yeah. So let me just, this is a basic question that um, I always get. So what's the difference between blockchain and just like a shared Google Doc or shared Excel sheet that you just update um, based off transactions or business information? Yeah, so that's a great question because um, it, it's really more about um, individual, a ledger kind of system, right? Where, where, a, um, 
where a spreadsheet that you share information on, um, anybody can change it. You really can't tell if it's accurate data. You can't tell if it's been, um, you know, there are some history about who's changed it, but it's not unchangeable. So one of the things about blockchain is that those changes are written in ink, so to speak. They're, they're called immutable, unchangeable. So once the blockchain network confirms that your message is accurate, then we always know who did what to change the value of something in, in that ledger. So you kind of have this shared accounting ledger between people, right? Instead of having to say, well, I put mine in here, I put mine in there, they don't match, we have to reconcile it. Everything's kind of can happen in the middle. So you have one source of truth. Okay, so let me just take a step back if, if I may. So Bitcoin, 13 years, it's, I guess, the first type of cryptocurrency that utilized the concept of blockchain. Can you just very, very briefly, without getting into too much technical details, just explain private keys, public keys, and the issue of double spent and, and what blockchain was trying to solve? Yeah, wow. You know, and, and without getting technical is, is the key part there. But, <laughs> yeah, well, it's based off cryptography, know, so it is technical. Yeah, <laughs> it is technical. But um, the key concept, um, think of it as, think of it as um, the keys to your, to your house, right? So like um, in, in order to use blockchain, you have to have an address, right? So in other words, where is your, where is your money, right? And then you have to have a, a unique key that only you can use to transfer that money in and out. And so that, that's kind of, the time. it's really, it's at simple level, it's that way. The problem is, is securing these keys in a way that they can be used only by you takes a lot of, you know, a lot of thinking and a lot of details. So we use these things called wallets, kind of like, you know, in your pocket, you've got your key in your pocket, you now have your key in your wallet. And you need these keys in order to agree to move your money from one place to the next. And that that's, that's really all it is. It's Okay, so the issue of double spend, right, where I may have one Bitcoin, and I want to send it to you because you're providing services to me. How does blockchain stop double spend and how does I, I in essence the blockchain know that i'm not giving the bitcoin to two people well that's a great question so the the reality is is um like you know in a bank right you might be able to try and spend your money twice because there's this time delay between when the money is actually moved in the blockchain community these smart contracts that govern all this there, there is the the money's a, it's one unit of money, right? It's not in two different possible places. It's on the blockchain. So when you move it, it's moved. It can't be moved twice because it's gone, right? So you can't double spend it because the, it's it's only in one place. Gotcha. That's the okay. short story. Yeah. Right. So blockchain has applicability for individual transactions, right? I want to send a Bitcoin to Ken because Ken is building a software application for me. Instead of using fiat, I'm going to pay you in Bitcoin. But it also has, I think blockchain at least has the utility for intra or inter-industry types of transactions, right? Where maybe Ford is, is trying to get information from his manufacturer or anything along the supply chain. How do you see blockchain working you know, within larger companies and, and industry? Yeah, there's... Um, the way I look at that is you, you kind of follow the money, right? So it, it's really about businesses make decisions based on how they can increase revenue. 
and then how they can reduce costs. And, and one of those costs is friction between companies, right? All this paperwork that has to happen when you do international trade, when you do wire transfers, all that takes time and has people involved and, and, and causes delays. When you introduce um, blockchain, these transactions are in very narrow timelines, right? They're in, in the concept, some in milliseconds, some in seconds, and some in minutes. Well, if I'm doing a wire transfer between here and Europe, right, that would normally take about seven to 10 days to clear. Mm -hmm. Using blockchain, that's minutes. So while the minutes seem like maybe a long time in technology, it's quite faster than days, right? And, and so moving money around is a big deal, but moving, um, um, Data around is a big deal too. So if I have, think about like food safety is one of the, where, where this was really proven. Microsoft, I'm sorry, um, IBM and Walmart uh, put together this food tracking system from the farm to the store. And they were able to prove that when you had a food safety issue like E. coli, where in the past they like destroyed the entire crop, the, the entire inventory of lettuce all over the, the United States, that was an extremely expensive endeavor. Since they built this food tracking system that tracks, uses the blockchain to track the food movement from the farm through the distributors, through the warehousing, back to the back to the um, the uh, store, and even into your house, they can now detect in seconds where that source of food was that was contaminated, and where it's been. So they can target what needs to be destroyed and in increase food safety. So those kind of applications are already here. And the ones that are getting built are that, you know, businesses now can like work in a network instead of working from, you know, one business to one business, you can work from one to many. So that's kind of star network topology is going to be capable. It's going to take some time to build all that out, but these use cases that are solving problems are coming first. Right. So, so would they have their own blockchain, right? Because there are different blockchains. There's Bitcoin blockchain, there's Ethereum blockchain, there's Polygon blockchain, right? How, how does all that work? So that's a great question. Um, we call those blockchain, those systems networks. So um, a blockchain network is, is a bunch of, uh, they're called nodes, but computers basically that are implementing this, this blockchain together. And in a public blockchain like Bitcoin and Ethereum, there are millions of computers that are participating in this network. So it's effectively a public blockchain, but that means all the data is to some degree visible and shareable by others. Now there's technology that's coming that's on top of that, that's a, that is able to kind of isolate that and say, if I want to do business with Adam, I can still use the Ethereum or the Bitcoin blockchain, but only he and I can see those transactions going on, right? So that's, that's technology that's going to help with that. But there are groups that are industry groups that are saying, we really want this to be semi-private. We want our industry to work together. The, um, the interesting uh, cotton industry is doing this, right? They're saying, we want a marketplace for just us to communicate, but we want to collaborate instead of being these independent silos, we all want to be able to work in a common marketplace. So they're standing up these industry networks that are that are just for them, so to speak. And those are considered private networks, yeah. so private and public. Right. To me, that that's super exciting. I mean, as a you know, certified blockchain architect, what are you the most excited near term in the next three, four years? Uh, what blockchain could potentially do to uh, impact our lives, uh, you know, financially and also just uh, from a health safety you know, perspective, how do you think uh, blockchain can better our lives short term? There, there are really a lot of initiatives already kind of going in parallel. So there's not like one that you have to land, land in. Um, 
one of the ones I think is is really already starting is just is using um, cryptocurrencies as currencies for exchange for um, tangible things. So you you see El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin, for example, as their their national currency, and so that's targeted to stabilize their economic and financial situation and allow people that that can't have banks right to participate in the monetary trade right so that that's one area that will continue to grow particularly in, in countries that don't have um that 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 don't have uh banking opportunities and allow these people to to participate so that's a big big area that's going to go forward um, another big area is the supply chain we talked about be able to track things um, all over the place so all the paper and all the effort that we're doing in the supply chain world is going to all turn into digital with this technology and then uh, the the next one i think is really interesting is this thing called nft technology yeah. so these non-fungible tokens right and that's really where we came with the token foundry we wanted to help enable people to to build solutions on top of these tokens and, and what tokens are is it's kind of like you know i sometimes use a chuck e cheese an analogy right Tokens for Chuck E. Cheese can only be used at Chuck E. Cheese. So they're kind of very simple use tokens, very isolated. But tokens that can be shared amongst others, right, and traded, that allows you to take your token and use it for other things. So um, one of the easiest ones to describe is the gaming industry. So the gaming industry is a $300 billion industry. It's no longer just some video, some kids playing videos. They're spending I know, I got kids. <laughs> right? They're, yeah. they're, spend, they're always wanting to spend more money, money, right? Spending money. And, and so they buy these assets for these games and it's gone, right? You never to be used again. But what's coming now is this, this, this concept of you're going to be able, you're able to, and it's already out there, it's, it's emerging right now, where these assets can be purchased with cryptocurrency mm -hmm. and then they become these tokens that you can now trade on the marketplace for other tokens and other games. So people can move around with their assets and earn more assets. And now they're actually creating real wealth yeah. Right. Based on on real assets that are that have that can make real money. So that, that opportunity is just a way for NFTs to emerge. That's not that's one use. And these are very simple NFTs. So you, you probably also heard about these like NBA shots. Right. Where you can buy these Art. collectibles. Yeah. And, and that I don't want to say it's a fad, but I do want to say it's very community driven. So people have been collecting things for a long time and they've been very physical. Well, there's this movement for people not to want physical things because they're they're hard to resell, right? They're hard to keep track of and hard to take care of. These digital assets are much more portable. You can sell them to each other, right? And that's driving actually prices up because now there's you know available supply and people want to buy them. And, and there's also um, limited supply, so there's scarcity. So that's a whole market of collectibles. Um, but it's very simple, right? They're very simple. They're 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 static things. Right, they represent like a baseball card or right. A, right, those kinds of things. What's coming, and one of the things we're working on with Adam's team are these more intelligent NFTs, NFTs that can can, can hold other things, right? So, like the NF, the one one where they're working on is an NFT that can hold uh, rewards, loyalty rewards from activities you do in a business. So instead of getting points for airlines, you'll get actual cryptocurrency, which will over time raise in value and can be used anywhere. And so we really think that that's one aspect of a much more com much more co complex concept where NFTs hold things, right? They're containers of, of, of things that you can reuse and will have logic themselves inside of them. So I think that's really gonna go forward because 
NFTs have this opportunity to represent real tangible things besides digital collectibles like real estate, right? So if, a, if your NFT can be your record of real estate, you can do all kinds of things with it, right? You can fractionalize it. You can, you can rent things out and create a monetary um, um, real estate um, commercial real estate solutions out of that real estate. Yeah. And you've solved all these big problems with lean liens and, and, um, and tracking and, and all that stuff becomes just really clean. And once that happens, it becomes much easier to do business with those. Right. those much easier, activities. more seamless, cheaper. That's the key, right? Blockchain. And safer. safer. Right? You can't, you can't lose these things. You right. can, you can trust these technologies because they're in the how they work is publicized. These smart right. contracts, you, you know how they work. So you can't either maliciously or accidentally make mistakes. Yeah. The interesting thing I, I think is really interesting about NFTs is even if you take a, an athlete, uh, even a high school basketball player has a highlight, an amazing slam dunk, they, they can create an NFT and then can create royalties. Every time that NFT gets sold from one party to another, they could potentially take a fraction. And I guess that's how blockchain comes into this picture is it's the one it's the area that keeps track of all these transactions exactly and then and then you, there's unlimited ways like you said you can do that you can add you can add fundraising to that concept right and then say okay part of that sale is going to go to you know my my favorite fu uh, fundraising opportunity and you know those are unlimited and then you also have the since it's immutable it's a history forever you have now a story of this per particular person right who's not just tied to whatever their their um, their agent can do, right? It also democratizes that value so that the value, primary go value goes back to the athlete right. or that person rather than the, the marketing team. So it's going to flop. Where now the marketing teams get 90% and the artist gets 10%, we can flop it around so it happens the other way around. So yeah, the person that's helping market and distribute gets a percentage, but it's no longer, you know, the big chunk. So it really allows everybody to participate in, in economizing themselves. Okay, so I wanted to just um, ask you one question. So as, for example, let's just use Ethereum. Okay, so Ethereum's been you know, the, I guess, core cryptocurrency for a lot of, well, at least the Ethereum uh, ecosystem for, for NFTs and a lot of, uh, of these tokens, right? Just in different variety of Ethereum coins. As Ethereum goes up in value and people use it more, right? It goes from 2,000 to 3,000 to 4,000, so on and so forth. How does that impact the blockchain? Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's like a good and bad thing, right? I mean, the good thing is we, we want our, you know, these cryptocurrencies to some degree are investments, right? So um, because we see them changing in value. So a couple of things happen is that Ethereum is one of these, um, one of these tokens that um, has uh, an economy where as you use it, they take some out, right? It's called burning, right? So they um, increase the value because there's less supply. So as there's as more of this stuff gets taken out, the supply gets lowered and the what's left, the holders that are left actually have theirs are, are worth more. So it drives the value up. Um, the, the bad thing is that that same coin or it's that same coin is used for the transactions to pay for those transactions. And it's called, we call it gas, right? So cost of doing a transaction. And the reason you want a cost for doing transaction is you want to stop people from um, accidentally using a lot of CPU power and a lot of transfer. So you want this gas as a limiting factor. 
but but you don't want to spend too much money. If it costs you $100 to do a transaction, you're going to do less your transactions, right? So there's like this big challenge. And, and what they're doing now is they're saying, well, um, a lot of things are happening to address that. So the problems come with solutions, right? As we see problems, innovation comes around and solves, solves those problems. The thing about a, a token too is that um, one Ethereum, right, is a unit that we're used to, we're used to $1, right? But we're also used to pennies. Well, in Ethereum and Bitcoin, you can have one millionth of a, a Bitcoin and one millionth of an Ethereum. So that's part of the way that that, that helps with that too. You don't need to use an Ethereum to send it. That's worth $3,000. These transactions can be pennies. Now, over time, what we're seeing is that because of the popularity, particularly that the adoption of these NFTs, which goes on, is used on Ethereum a lot, is that other chains are popping up, right? To take the load. And right now, only about three, percent of businesses are using cryptocurrency for business transactions. And imagine what happens when that turns into 50%, right? It's not going to be one network. That one network is going to be very strong because people are going to keep using it. And it's and the Ethereum network has a lot of strength because it has so many participants. So it's a very safe network. The other networks that are merging um, are becoming safer and safer when more and more people use it. So we get things like the Matic network, uh, the Solano network, Solana network, the um, Polkadot network. So all these different networks um, are going to compete for each other uh, for, for, for popularity. And what's happening is that developers are getting on board with these different networks that have different values, right? And so gaming is, is moving somewhat away from Ethereum into their other, other networks that are faster. And then they're using, keeping the assets on Ethereum where they're, where they're well known to be traded and safer. So I'm, I'm just trying to say that this is going to just explode. And it and you don't have to worry about, like, does one network can handle all the traffic? Because it won't, right? The networks will get faster and faster because the technology will improve. But we'll have more and more of them. And then there's these interconnected networks. And that's that's kind of how you get the big picture and, and adoption. Gotcha. Okay. I don't know if that helped you. Yeah. No, no, it's super helpful, Ken. So one of the last questions I have is just real basic. Um, Bitcoin mining, proof of work versus proof of stake. Right. Yeah. And all that ties into blockchain. So just quickly, how would you describe the differences um, and how it impacts you know, blockchain? So the, the proof of work concept was the original um, consensus model. And the consensus model is just to, that we agree that all the networks agree that this transaction wasn't fake. Right. That's basically what it's for. And the reason that you do this proof of work is that if you make it hard to figure this out, right, then one node can't overpower and say, I want to have all control. So you actually make this kind of random by making all these nodes do a lot of hard work. That was the first idea. And so that you consumed a lot of power. Just real quick, nodes, group. computers. Nodes means computers, nodes. not people. Fair enough, right? right? Nodes are computers on this network of bunch of computers, right? And these computers use power, obviously. And if we make it very hard to do something, they have to work very hard and use a lot of electricity. So. So what's, what's happened with proof of stake is that there are several different now new consensus models that are coming out that are saying, how do we get the same outcome without using all this power? And proof of stake meant is, is about if you are a operator of a node, you have to commit so much money to be that operator. And if you're discovered to do an illegal operation, you lose all your stake, right? And so these are not small stakes, right? It's in many cases, it's $10,000 to participate. So if you start doing 
transactions that are discovered by the rest of the node to be inappropriate, you lose all your money. So they're, they're using that proof of stake to, to offset that. And the computations are much simpler right. in that case, right? But at the same time, when you look at Bitcoin say, well, Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's not going there. And isn't that make it a, a, a very ecologically poor solution? Well, you know, it depends on you look at the numbers because when you look at those numbers in the raw and you say, look, look at all this electricity being used, it looks like a big number. But when you compare it to like Amazon and Google, it's a fraction of what they use to do business. And so every business that uses computers uses computer power. So you kind of have to be careful how you look at, at those numbers and take them with the relative relative cost. Okay, so last question. We, we talked about potentially, you know, how our world can change, whether it's sending money uh, to Europe or different parts of the world and or just how uh, consumers transact or even how businesses interact with each other in specific industries. Um, would you say the biggest risk to blockchain development is what governments? Um, what's what's the one thing that can stop this from becoming reality? Um, I I don't know. It has so much upside value proposition. It would be hard to see. You know, the internet's not something that can be really governed very well, right? Because it's it's international, right? It's it's hard to govern. I think if there was um, too much governance on the ability for companies to start up, I think that would be a barrier. You know, a barrier that we would we would see that would slow things down, particularly in in you know governmental control that says, you know, you can't stand up a blockchain business unless you have a certain amount of regulatory control, kind of like the SEC control. I think that could slow us down, but um, there's a lot of momentum, right? Right. And, and it's uh, it's it's very difficult to stop something that has momentum and very questionable whether you should. Right. I think there's regulation coming. And I think if it comes in a way that's um, consumer protection based, right, that'll be a good thing. If it comes in a way that limits growth, then I think that would be that'd be bad. OK, last question is and I get this all the time and it's kind of um, um, not, I guess, a very advanced question, but I think I want I want to ask it anyways, because people ask me this question. So how do you separate cryptocurrency? and investing in Bitcoin and Ethereum and blockchain. Is there a separation? Should we thinking of them differently or are they just a combined entity? Well, that's a great question. I think it depends on how much you're willing to invest in an education on this industry, right? So it's kind of similar with uh, stocks. And in my opinion, it's similar with stocks and businesses. A lot of these projects are really small businesses that are, that are bringing utility and services to the marketplace. And you're investing in whether that utility or business and team has something to add value. So take away the tech, look at the business value, and then start to break that down. If you if you want to do research on, on on these these companies that are doing this, you know this is probably where the SEC is going to try and get involved and in saying, well, these are these cryptocurrencies you're buying are actually securities. Well, may, maybe it's true, but there's also these groups that are are building every every solution. They're building two coins. One is called a governance token, and that's like the value proposition that's governed. They get to make decisions on how the business operates or that utility operates. And the other are usage tokens, utility tokens are called, and that's what powers um, the use of them. And the utility tokens really, um, they really hadn't been designed to be, um, to be used for investment. They've been really designed, they have to have a monetary value, otherwise the mechanisms don't work, right? But they're really not as designed as much to raise in value as are the governance tokens, which kind of represent 
a similarity to business business ownership. So when you're looking at these investments, sometimes you'll find that they have two tokens. You're like, why would they do that? Look for the governance token about the business side in general, and then the other tokens are, are more about the operational utility side. Right, because you know, people say, well, I'm investing in Bitcoin, Ethereum, I believe in the future, the technology. Um, they're not thinking about blockchain. And then you get other people saying, I'm focused on blockchain. That's the core value of cryptocurrency. Um, and then I kind of back into that and say, okay, based off the blockchain technology, these are the tokens I want to invest in because I think they have the most uh, you know, potential. Yeah, all right. I mean, look, Bitcoin is very, <laughs> in terms of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is very simple, right? It's a monetary transfer of value. It's kind of like, you know, the, it's kind of like liquid gold, so to yeah. speak, right? It's gold, but you can use it, right? So you can transfer it. It's, yeah, it's, it's currency. And, and Ethereum has both a currency value because it's, it's uh, so ubiquitous and it's being traded every way that gives it a currency model. You can use it to buy things, but it also has this rich functionality built into it that you can build solutions on top of it. So it's kind of both. And so that's what's happening with cryptocurrencies today. They're both the ability to use as a monetary tool and the ability to use as a functional tool. And that's why that's where these smart contracts are so are so powerful. And you need the cryptocurrency to kind of make them the um, make the system work. And then you need it also to, to keep people invested in it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it's kind of, you don't have to have um, cryptocurrency in an, like, in an Ethereum solution, but if you don't, then its value proposition has some limits. So yeah. uh, I, I know that's a little hard. No, that's amazing. Ken, this has been great. Um, so I think we'll end today and hopefully you'll come back on because I would love to pick your brain on um, you know, so, some of the coins you like um, that you're looking at potentially investing, you know, without giving people investment advice, just the reasons behind why you like certain coins from an engineering slash, you know, technology standpoint. So yeah, and uh, I I look at I'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, in session, I don't, don't want right? to use you know let's save some of that juice for another time. But just wanted to thank you, Ken. Um, love working with you. You're brilliant. Um, Besides being a certified blockchain architect, you're you know a super nice guy, super smart, and I think you keep things simple. Um, you take really tough subjects, break it down, and uh, make it easy to digest. Which blockchain is scary because it's you know based off cryptography, and uh, it took me forever to understand how the heck nodes, these computers, can solve these mathematical equations and actually understand how I sent Jane one Bitcoin twenty minutes ago. And how some computer in Iceland could figure that out and accept it. I, it took me forever to understand that. Um, so appreciate you got you um, spending some time with me and kind of keeping it simple. And we'll get you back on um, soon to uh, talk more crypto tokens. And uh, Adam, thank you for you know the work you do in the space to help people really create wealth. Because yeah, we, that, we try and, and we're doing, doing some great, good. Great we'll, we'll do another podcast talk about uh, token NFT. Factory and Ira Financial and what we're doing. We, we got exciting um, news, I would say, in the next month or so. So we'll, got, we'll definitely do a video slash podcast and introduce you know, our token. That sounds great, Adam. Okay, take be care. well, Ken. Thank you so much and take care of yourself. Take care. Take care.